Hiya, gang, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Effin Hormones, the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. Did you know that November the 19th is International Men's Day? And we very much wanted to mark it. Now, we've spoken to a couple of guys in the past, but we thought it was time that you got to hear from another one. I know, what we like. Well, this time you're going to hear from the one and only Richard Goswell. Yes, we are related because he's my father. Now, you may be thinking, why? Why are we getting my dad on? Well, he has experienced menopause-like symptoms through having treatments for prostate cancer. In this conversation, you'll hear that he was experiencing those symptoms at the same time that my sister Abigail was receiving treatment for breast cancer. She was getting hot flushes from that and other menopause symptoms too. And I was going through the menopause as well. So there were three of us at it. So I figured that my dad knows a thing or two about it by now. You're going to find out what it was like for him and what he thinks about this menopause revolution that we've been living through. Because when he was working, as you'll hear, attitudes weren't particularly understanding. So me, Terry and Helen all chatted to him recently and he told us about his treatments and its impact. Well, I had prostate cancer and after the radiation treatment, they put me on Prostap which is a drug designed to reduce your testosterone. And they said there will be two, two symptoms. One is depression uh, and the other is hot flushes. And I certainly had the hot flushes very, very severely. And I had the, the drug, the Prostat drug for two years. And my hot flushes were absolutely awful. I had to go to the bathroom and towel down about four times a night. The bed would be soaked. And I had to put a fan on it before I could get back into it again. It was really quite serious. They they told me that after two years, they would stop the drug, which they did. But they said I would probably get the symptoms, the hot flushes, for a further two years. It's now four years, and I've still got the symptoms. Nowhere near as bad, but I still have hot flushes at night. Enough to get me up, which is a bit annoying. And what kind of impact did that have on you, Richard? Like emotionally as well as physically? It didn't. Well, I, the, the worst byproduct was I didn't get very much sleep because I was up half the night. Mm. But I just got used to it. I, I accepted that this was part of the cure and that I was cured. And therefore, I suppose it was a relief in a way that I wasn't suffering any other symptoms. I could have been worse. I could have had prostate cancer much more severely. Uh, so... I was relieved that that was the only symptom I was having and I just got on and lived with it as I'm still living with it now. But it is weird, isn't it, that at the same time that you were having testosterone reduced, I was trying to get my hands on testosterone to increase my (laughs) testosterone. And Abigail was also having a cancer that was related to oestrogen. So we were all having our own... Exactly, we were all on hormones. Effing hormone nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it was very bizarre. And one thing I do remember very clearly was um, you introduced us to the brilliant disco fans or the handheld fans. (laughs) <laughs> and we'd all have them at the same time, wouldn't we? Yes, it was it was quite comical at times, wasn't it? Before I was sitting around the dining table with our with our hand fans on, having a quiet sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about family moments. <laughs> the only problem is that company's gone out of business. Probably because we were over demanding, I can imagine. <laughs> we were constantly buying their fans, weren't we? Could be. So do you think experiencing all those symptoms in terms of the mental stuff as well as the hot flushes gave you a bit of an insight into what menopause might be like to experience? I suppose it did in a way, but I think by the time that I had prostate cancer, I was fairly aware of the effects 
of the menopause on women anyway. So um, although it helped me understand what it's like having hot sweats all blooming night, I think I already understood the, the mental aspects of it. But did people talk about the menopause when you were growing up, when you were like a young man? Uh, well, it depends how far you want to go back. If I think of myself at around the sort of 30, 40 year age, people tended to use it as an expression, meaning they've gone slightly, you know, inadequate. She's gone menopausal was the sort of expression that was used. That meant she's inconsistent, uh, illogical, and uh, it, it, it was a derogatory expression. It's a slur, isn't it, really? It was, a, it, it was yeah. used to describe what, in fact, some of the symptoms are, which I wasn't aware of until uh, till you had it, when, when we talked about brain fog and confusion. Jenny didn't suffer with that. Well, you were lucky. So, can you- <laughs> Jenny didn't have the, the hot sweats either, particularly. She was on HRT. Jenny, as in Jenny, and, your, uh, Jenny your wife, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Jenny. She's there. <laughs> I wasn't aware secondhand of the of the symptoms particularly. You were under the misconception, probably, through mum's experiences, that actually it wasn't too much of a drama and exactly. you, know, you could just sort exactly. of say Exactly. I, I thought, really. you know, they're, they're, it's, it's overrated, I thought. Oh, that's interesting. So what what did you think then when Emma started experiencing all these symptoms? Well, what, they were, they'd be much more severe. And then we then we actually started to talk about it. And Emma talked about brain fog, as she called it, and, and which I now understand is the reason why that the derogatory expression, you know, oh, she's menopausal, became used for people who were considered to be inconsistent or lost the plot slightly. Mm-hmm. But at the time that I was aware of that being used as an expression, I didn't know that it had those effects. Well, when you were in your 30s and 40s, you were obviously in senior management in a corporate environment. So yeah. you would have seen women, you know, for want of a better word, losing the plot who were your colleagues who were probably having a really difficult time. But it probably, I bet they ended up just leaving work, did they? Because that seems to have been what historically has happened. Well, yeah, I, I can't, can't say. Uh, I'm not aware of anybody leaving for that reason during my time. Mm. It could well have happened, but that wasn't the reason that may have been given for their leaving. Yeah. I mean, was it talked about in that kind of world? Only only in, in the the derogatory sense of the word, explaining yeah. a woman yeah. who's gone a bit illogical. We didn't discuss it as a medical condition. Mm. And there wouldn't have been any sort of um, concessions made for people in terms of... You know, no, absolutely not. ...cooler or no. giving people time no. off work or... No. 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 How do you feel about the way um, the way things have changed now in terms of women in corporate environments and menopause policies in the workplace? I think the work that you have done and lots of other people uh, is absolutely tremendous. I think it's made an awareness for men as well as for women. It's given it a, a status that it's never had and obviously deserved. Little things like the fact that GPs don't have to actually have to be trained in this, considering that 50% of the population are likely to suffer with it is absolutely outrageous and it should be changed. But I think the work that you've done for awareness uh, is absolutely brilliant because it's made me understand it clearly now as an issue, whereas before it was something sort of bit bit vague, floating up there, oh, hot sweats, going a bit nutty, whereas now I really understand the size of the problem and the fact that it needs to be addressed in, in the corporate environment. I mean, you're talking about it. Women are talking about it. I don't know whether big corporations are sitting down and talking about it. They're probably not. I think they're starting to. I, I think, think that's are. kind of what's yeah. been part of the menopause revolution. Yeah. But that's, mm. that's literally in the last five, ten years, I think, really. 
can we explain what prostate cancer is and what the symptoms are to look out for? Yeah, I think you should. And I think uh, we should encourage all men, as Abigail always said, keep feeling your lumps and bumps. And men should always go and get a <laughs> well, test. We say, we, say we say boobs and bits. Boobs and bits, however you like to put bumps. it. Yes. <laughs> but, and men yeah. should go and get the blood test. So prostate cancer doesn't usually cause any symptoms until a cancer's kind of grown large enough to put pressure. This is from the NHS website. So until the cancer has grown large enough to put pressure on the tube that carries urine from the bladder out of the penis, the urethra. Symptoms of prostate cancer can include needing to pee more frequently, often, often during the night. Sorry, by the time you've got the symptoms that you're mentioning, yep. it's probably too late. Yeah, so th- this is what. So these are the the symptoms that when it's when it's grown big and quite big. So it's yeah, it's it's have your it's your PSA checked, isn't it? Your um, yeah, your blood test. Yeah, and you can ask for that. In yeah. the states, it was compulsory. Uh, I don't know whether it is still, but in this country, uh, some doctors won't even do it, and they use pathetic excuses like false positives and uh, you know the fact that occasionally it doesn't pick it up. That's possibly true because it's not a very exact science, but it's the only one we've got. Rotary have been a great, were a great advocate of uh, getting PSA tests, and we've been bludgeoning our local medical profession to allow it because some of our doctors in the local surgery here wouldn't do it. If men applied for it, they would say, no, I'm not going to do that. So we've changed all that here in Fishguard, and most men around here get it done. I, I was getting done every year, and it was when my PSA went up above 0.09, which is where, where it should be all the time. When mine went up to three, I was off to hospital immediately for x-rays, etc. If some men haven't had a PSA test, there are some symptoms that they uh, should definitely see a GP about if they do have them, though. So it's worth having a look on the website, on the, on the NHS website, at those symptoms, which includes like um, difficulties or problems peeing, rushing to the loo, straining, weak yeah, flow, right. feeling yeah. the your bladder hasn't emptied and either blood in your urine or blood in your semen. So some symptoms, they're yep. not necessarily indicative of uh, prostate cancer, but they could also be indicative of a problem. So it's definitely worth, if you're a guy and have any of these issues or a Check non-binary person with, with a prostate, get it checked out. Yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of your experience, did, did anyone ever sit down with you when you were having your treatment for prostate cancer and say to you, you might experience possibly the same things, the hormonal changes or these, you know, there's, yeah. there's a number of things oh, yes. that you can get with, you can get hot sweats, sweating, weight gain, swelling and tenderness of your breasts. It has impact on your sex drive, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure Emma doesn't want to go there with these conversations, but did they tell you any of these things were going to happen and that this would be the impact of the, the hormones that you'd, you'd they, the treatment that you'd have? They weren't particularly good about it. What they tended to do was give you a big pile of books, say, go away and read this, you know, which of course is a bit like a handbook for a man. Men don't read handbooks. So when I got the prostate uh, handbook, I didn't know that I read it cover to cover. But I was aware (laughs) of the fact that it would limit my sex drive, that I would get hot flushes and that I would get depression. Those three things were told specifically to me. It was all in the literature, which I read eventually, I think, probably about two years later. And was there any support during that? Well, you did go to Maggie's on occasion, didn't you? You went. To, did you go to a group at Maggie's in Swansea? Yes, I did. And that was not. I suppose it was support. It was. It was very entertaining and most amusing couple of hours that I've ever spent at Maggie's with all the prostate sufferers, <laughs> telling their stories. Why? That was well worth a video. That was. Why? Why was it so interesting? <laughs> Well, all, all the men had such different stories, and of course they tended once they started talking. 
prostate was forgotten about. They started telling the stories of their lives and all all the incidents that have occurred around their their cancer treatment and you know that sort of thing. So it was um, it was just a storytelling event. And so they opened up then. Yes, they all opened up. Yeah, it was amazing, in fact, how people were uh, really sat down and talked about it. That was something that I was going to ask about, Richard, because, you know, when you did have one of your hot sweats in the daytime, how did you find, you know, did you feel that you had to explain it to people? How did you find talking about it? Or did you just sort of put up and shut up? No, I just, if somebody's I say I'm having a hot flush and it's because of my hormone treatment. <laughs> I'm having hot flushes. Get over it. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> and how did people take that? Well, I would make, I sort of made it into a joke. So they were, they had a good, good laugh and got on with life. Yeah. Well, we're very stoical like that in our family. I think I mean, it's a kind of case of just carry on, soldiering on, keep going. You were talking a lot about the fact that there were two big side effects of the prostate treatment, and that was the hot flushes and then the mental side of it as well in terms of the depression. So, I mean, did that affect you badly? Do you think that you did have side effects in terms of your mental health? Yes, I did. Yes, yes I, had, I did get depression. I guess this is very difficult to talk about, but I think it's it's hard to know how much being depressed was because of Abigail being ill or how much was... I was just going to say that the, the surrounding environment in my life was so complex at that time that uh, it's difficult to know what caused the depression. And I can't really talk to my daughter about my lack of sex drive. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we don't want you to go there, Richard. Don't worry. We won't go there. <laughs> oh, bless you. And how are you doing now, Richard? Have you finished the treatment? Is it continuing or, or is it? Oh, no, the treatment finished three years ago, but I'm still getting hot flashes at night, but nowhere near as frequently. Probably one a night and very, very seldom during the day. Perhaps once a week I get one during the day. They say after three years I shouldn't be having any symptoms at all, but uh, there you go. That's me. Oh, so I finished the treatment. Yeah, it's all finished. Fabulous. And I've had tests yeah, to brilliant. prove that there's no sign of it recurring at all. I just wanted to know, you know, having gone through that experience in the corporate world, then, you know, experiencing your own symptoms and then seeing your daughters go through all of this, is there anything that you would say to guys that are around nowadays, any insights or advice you might want to offer this International Men's Day? Well, yeah. <laughs> just make absolutely certain that they read as much as they can about what it really is to have a menopause. Because I'm sure there are still lads about who think it's, you know, just all, she's menopausing. I'm sure that attitude is still, if not prevalent, it's, I'm sure it's still there. Um, so I think there needs to be a lot of publicity about the real effects of the menopause and what guys like you are doing to make sure that it's dealt with seriously by corporations, governments, and anybody associated with employing people. And, and how should people, you know, like in the workplace, I mean, you, you've managed a lot of people, you know, as someone who, you know, led organisations, worked in that world, Richard, have you got any advice for like managers on how to deal with these kind of conversations that if, if someone comes to you and is really struggling, how would you a- approach that? Well, I, I would, if, for example, I was a chief executive now in, in a large organisation, I would actually appoint one of my directors or a senior manager to be specifically responsible for dealing with uh, the issue. Yay! We agree 100%. Love that. It's, it's the only way it can be dealt with properly. And that person needs to be uh, well qualified, well experienced, and understand the needs and know how to deal with it. And it, won't, it won't happen just by osmosis. From the top. From the top. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. Love that. We need to take that suggestion to... Uh, the MPs that we've spoken to, don't we? 
<laughs> we'll get on it, Richard. They were having this sympathetic hot flush day, weren't they? Wearing heated jackets at one stage. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, yes. Well, you don't need that, do you? <laughs> no, 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 definitely don't. But I, I had a horrible feeling that was a bit of a gimmick. I don't know whether it's gone any further than it did. Yeah. No. I know we had a bit of a conversation about that at the time, didn't we? And, and it, it, you know, you sort of think, look, as long as the message is getting out there, because actually Car- Carolyn Harris, um, the MP that we spoke to, and the last series of of uh, Efren Hormans, she was uh, a big, you know, she was always in the pictures with that. She was a big driver with that because she was getting, was it Michael Gove she got to wear? One, yeah, I, I think remember. he was one of the participants. I can't speak for her, but ultimately her, you know, her driver when she was talking to us is like, look, and, you know, just get the message out there, get the message out there, you know. And it certainly did do that, didn't it? And she's doing loads of other fantastic stuff. So I, I think the thing that I get a bit concerned about is um, is kind of menopause information fatigue, you know? That, that people are like, oh, they're going on about the menopause again. And and people can just get a bit closed off with it. Do you think there's a danger that guys might feel that way? Well, I would sincerely hope not. No, I, I would I would have said that for most people, the amount of publicity that's being given is, is only just about adequate. I wouldn't have said there was an overdose at all. Oh, wow. I mean, it does occur quite regularly on, on the radio with in discussion programs, and that's good. You know, it, it needs to be discussed because... It needs to get to every corner of the population, particularly the men. Quite right. Well, we'll keep on banging on about it then, shall keep we? Keep on banging keep on, on about it. Episodes of Effin Hormones. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Richard. Yeah. Let's bang on about it. Just wanted to say massive thanks, Richard. Really, really appreciate you talking to us and talking about some really quite personal stuff. Great pleasure. I hope it can do some good. Thank you, Richard. That was a lot, but I want to say on behalf of me and my gang, a massive thank you to you, Dad, for chatting to us and being so open and Yay. so thoughtful. And thank well, you. Thank yeah, you, Great Dad. pleasure. I hope we can, hope we can do Yay. some good. Yeah, hope it does. And happy International Men's Day to you. Yes, when is that? 19th of November. I'll make a note of that on the calendar. Well, that is it for this very special bonus episode of Effing Hormones. Happy International Men's Day. Uh, hopefully my dad did have some words of wisdom for you. I'm sure he did. And, and if you're a partner who's going through it too. Now, we will be back before you know it with a very special guest, DJ Paulette. Now, she is a superstar DJ. Well, actually, it says here she's an internationally renowned DJ who is famously one of only two female resident DJs at the legendary Hacienda Club in Manchester. Yeah, I had a lot of fun there. Uh, Now, what is it like juggling perimenopause and house music? Well, you'll find out. Can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Remember to give us a follow and rate and review Effin Hormones, and that way more people will get to find out about us. Love you loads. Bye. 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 Happy International Men's Day. Bye. (laughs) 